0: It's called pretty much uh, trauma bonding, and you don't realize it. So the one thing that, for instance, John or any other psychopath, sociopath, narcissist does is it's called love bombing. So what they're doing is they're telling you everything that you want to hear, and they've studied you to some degree. They're listening to your words and what's going to turn you on, what's going to make you fall in love with them. They are literally trying to figure out how to manipulate you Um, for whatever reason. Sometimes it's about money. Sometimes, well, it's always about power.
1: and it is my hope that it helps anyone who has experienced deception, betrayal, and dark trauma. I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Murder. Hey movers, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Moving Past Murder. I'm your host, Collier Landry. Thank you guys so much for supporting. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. For supporting the program for listening, I know that a lot of people have been coming to the program because you've seen me on TikTok on my TikTok channel, which is at Collier Landry. And for those of you that are supporting via Patreon, or you find me on YouTube, or you're downloading this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever, thank you so much. I really appreciate your support in helping to blow up this program because guess what? I really love doing this. And um, it's it's really cool to be able to share my experiences. I know that some of them are really rough, and you know, I haven't had the easiest life but I also have a really great and amazing life and you guys make me stronger and your support is just really awesome. When you guys DM me and find me on socials and reach out, I love it, it makes my day. And um, I just came back from CrimeCon as I told you guys last week, which was really interesting to me because I had never been to CrimeCon before in beautiful, sunny Las Vegas, but I came back with like a, cough sort of thing going on, affecting my asthma. I think it was the stale, but it's not COVID. In fact, for those of you watching, I am COVID negative. Here's my negative COVID test. Cause I was like, oh, did I get COVID at crime con? I did not get COVID at crime con, um, but, uh, I came back with a little bit of something making my asthma it's probably the smoke in the casinos. I don't really dig on cigarette smoke. So that's probably what it was. But anyways, um. It was a fantastic time. It was cool to learn about true crime fans because I'm really curious about all of you guys and what makes you interested in true crime. So much so that I keep interviewing people on this program, asking them, and I've got some great interviews coming up with some amazing podcast hosts that have some amazing true crime podcasts that are gonna join the program. And uh, it's really cool. So look for those in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of that cool stuff happening. Um, I wanna read out my listener shout out of the week my first tiktok person this is pj72 and he says as a per, or they say i don't know if it's a he the, who knows this person pj72 says as a person who is obsessed with true crime i apologize the reality is we love to see justice not pain and suffering um that is a really great point, and I think that that was one of the things that I learned about at CrimeCon. Is you know I kind of came into it with this sort of I don't know, like I guess a bias. If that's an honest thing. I was biased. I was I am a true crime survivor. I am a victim who was victimized by a perpetrator, and I kind of came into this like why are people so obsessed with true crime? But I got to know a lot of you fans and a lot of, uh, my colleagues in the true crime space. And I realized that like a lot of it is like people want to see justice. They want to see, they want to learn from our experiences, which I'm so happy to share my experiences with you guys, because it makes it all like worth it for me to be able to share that you guys learn from my stories and my personal, you know, pain and suffering or whatever, but I understand that, you know, not only when PJ comments, but when you guys reach out to me and that you are inspired by the stories that you just want to see justice. You want to see justice. You want to see the bad guys go to jail like we all do. And the people, the good people prevail. And we want to hopefully prevent these things in the future. Things like domestic violence, for example, which is so prevalent and, and, and rampant, not only in this country, but across the world. And my guest today is probably most famous for being a victim of Domestic violence, coercive control, domestic spousal abuse. Just had a really horrible time with a psychopath. Now we have had her daughter on the program. I am talking about Deborah Newell, who is known to you guys and most of the world through the dirty John series, which was first a podcast on Wondery and the LA times, and then became a hit television show starring Eric Banna as John Meehan and Connie Britton as. Deborah Newell, which is kind of cool because if I was a woman, I would love to be played by Connie Britton because I love Connie Britton. I was really a huge fan of ni- Nashville. I watched Friday Night Lights. I thought it was cool. And Eric Bana was the Hulk. So let's just keep it real. That's super dope as well. Um, and Julia Garner played Tara's character, Tara Newell's character. Anyways, I'm not here to regurgitate television history. What I am here to talk about is my amazing guest today is Deborah Newell. She was a victim, like I said, of coercive control and of domestic abuse, domestic violence, uh, but at the hands of John Meehan, who was a psychopath. And as we know how the story turned out, um, uh, unfortunately her daughter took his life because he came at her with the intention of taking her life and she acted in self-defense. So that poses the question, like, what would you do when you're in this coercive sort of this coercive control relationship. And Deborah shares some really amazing insight into how she handled, how she handled it, how she survived, how she came through it, and how she has moved past that trauma in her life. and, And also how she continues to deal with it. She also talks about some things because obviously when your life becomes a television series, it's very successful. There is a lot of judgment that comes along with the person who like herself. And there's a lot of victim shaming that happens. There's a lot of scapegoating and there's a lot of people who are saying, well, why did you stay in this relationship? I had the same thing with people that reached out to me about my mother, like, oh, your mother stayed in her marriage because your father was a doctor and he had money. No, that's not really the thing because my mother put my father through medical school and it wasn't a, it wasn't a money thing. It was most likely what it is, is when you are in these. And you can only really understand these when you're in these abusive relationships, because I think it's very easy. And there happens to be a very famous trial that's going on right now, a defamation trial between Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. And at the core of that trial is domestic abuse and domestic violence, um, which is unfortunate. And it's this massively exposed, dirty laundry of these people's lives that I don't really care a lot about. Um, I want to see good people do good things and, Whatever. I, I just, uh, it, it's a mess. It's a mess. There's no other way to describe it. It's a tabloid. It's a soap opera print playing out right before us in the courtroom. I think they're on their fourth week or something absurd like that. But at the core of this is domestic violence, domestic abuse, coercive control, manipulation, psychopathy, sociopathy. These are all things that I talk about with my father who exerted a lot of control over my mother. He was a narcissist, a sociopath and you know, it's easier, it's easier said than done to be in those relationships, to be wrapped up in them and then have people go, Oh, well you should have gotten out of it. It's not that easy, especially when your lives are so intertwined and you have children involved or you have a marriage or you have a business that you run that somebody could take away from you because they've married you for nefarious reasons. So those are all things that we're going to talk about with Deborah today's episode. So with out well without further ado. I don't know, whatever it is. I am very pleased to welcome to the program Deborah Newell. So Deborah.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: how are you? how are you?
0: I'm I'm great. Um, I'm happy to be on here.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to have you. And I don't know how much you know about my story.
0: I don't know a lot about it, but I was hearing the tell end of about your mom and dad
1: yeah so when dad, i was
0: your dad was a doctor
1: yeah my dad was a it was a real doctor yeah my okay. my father when i was 11 years old um murdered my mother and oh, wow i heard it happen it was on new oh. year's eve 1989 and no oh one believed gosh. me except for one detective it was treated as a missing persons case oh, and wow. between this detective and i over the course of 25 days we Mm -hmm. basically solved and found out where my mother's body was. He had buried her in a house that he bought with his mistress in another state.
0: Oh my my gosh.
1: And I had, I had found this picture of this house because I was meeting with the the investigator because my, my father essentially on New Year's Eve, 1989, I heard these thuds. I heard the scream. I woke up the next Uh morning, ran into my mother's bedroom, was like looking for blood on the sheets, came down, confronted my father. Who's also, whose name was actually also John. Um, Uh He. What is it with these Johns, right? Um, I don't know. John, John Meehan, yeah. John Boyle, John Doe—they're oh, all just—they're all yeah. have these massive reputations, right? Um, but I said, I said, where is my mother? And he goes, Well, mommy took a little vacation call here, and wow. that's what happened. And it ended up being, um, you know, I call my mother's friends. They sent two uniformed black and white officers out back, out to the house, and then. Um, they treated it as a missing persons case. Wow! By the grace of God, this detective happened to see it because it was New Year's on now on okay. 1990. It was January 1st, 1990. He saw this come through right. across the desk. This missing persons case. The doctor's wife disappeared. Oh, let me just—I don't have a lot going on. Let me just go check this out. Came to the house. I was able to pull him aside because my father wasn't home, and I said, I, "I don't care what anybody says. My father murdered my mother. My mother's—my wow. mother is dead." She's not coming back. She didn't, they didn't get oh to a fight. God. There's none of this. And yeah. I grew up in a very small town in Ohio. And because okay. my father was a doctor, people like that don't get investigated. He, in fact, his right. captain, his captain was very much like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? She they got into a fight. She ran away and he's like, there's something about this kid. And I was relentless wow. and, and I would have him come to the school while I was you know in school and meet with me and always and to like update me on the case i'd be like okay i'm gonna go home and while he's not there i'm gonna pull the bookshelf out and look for her body or look for her purse Wow. And one day he went into the gas station and I opened up the little cubby hole in his truck while he was inside. I could see him and I found a picture of a house, a Polaroid. And then I found another Polaroid of his, of his girlfriend with her two oh kids in God. front of a fireplace wrapped in plastic. I told the police about it. That's how they found the house, which was in another state in Pennsylvania. All yeah. This they keep
0: evidence. It's their trophy. Yeah.
1: And then that's how I, um, that's, that's how they caught him. And they found my mother's body buried beneath the basement floor.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: 25 days later, it was um, pretty crazy. So I was you know how old
0: were you did you say 11
1: i was 11 and then i was 12 when it went to trial so i testified against the grand jury you know against my father the grand jury they indicted him for murder Mm -hmm. because it was premeditated because he planned everything like months in advance he bought the house he wanted to lower the floor it was literally the largest at that time the largest murder trial in ohio history and it uh it rocked my whole community and i was sharing with tara you know, I come from the small town in Mansfield, Ohio, and even though you guys are in Southern California, glamour Southern California, I lived in Orange County for a while. It is a very small, tight-knit community. It is like yeah. a small town. Yeah. Lots of gossip. It is.
0: Everyone knows each other for exactly. the most part. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that live in like Dana Point, <laughs> Newport Beach, Irvine. and okay. Though you know, I know how that community is. And um, so yeah, I t- I ended up testing fi- testifying a trial for two and a half days, and he's still incarcerated to this day. Wow. And one of the things I well, do
0: good show- for that. I'm really happy for that. At yeah. least. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that I was um, that I was discussing with Tara is on this on this show. I uh-huh. have his letters over the last 30 years that he's written to me from when I, he was first incarcerated. Wow. And I read these letters for the audience. And there is so much that they can glean from this with the manipulation, the gaslighting,
0: hundred oh, percent. All, all of yeah. these
1: things. And mm-hmm. you know, when I think about things like coercive control, which is what you had, right. And I know that you know I came into knowing about the story through the television show. Okay. only because i had friends that worked i'm a dp i had friends that okay. worked on the show and they were telling okay. me oh but i didn't know what it was about the podcast i didn't know anything right. and then i did a deeper dive this was mm-hmm. just a couple of years ago and then i was like oh this is a on podcast oh the la times story this that and the other
0: right, right. i was like
1: oh this happened in my backyard i didn't even know and it's um it's i can't i couldn't help but when i would see it and i was a big nashville fan so it started Connie Connie Britton. So of course I turned tuned in just for that. But I, you know, I couldn't help but thinking a couple of things. And I was broaching this with Tara.
0: Okay. One
1: is where I knew where it happened and the small town vibe. And I know that people out here, especially in that community are very judgmental and very good. at very good at passing judgment on others and, and and victim shaming and blaming and, you know, and, and so. I think with yourself and this is what I want to ask you is for me you know my father is very good at victim shaming me so there are oh, letters really? and even as yeah. what, I had a stalker and even as because you're the there, one that
0: caught him you're the one that saw through him
1: yeah and and he would have gotten away with it because there are the statistic i believe in 2020 was something like 45 percent of murders in the united states go unsolved
0: right right
1: and then you have this you have this with domestic violence and with things like this they just the cops just want to wash their hands of it i mean look at the 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 case Mm -hmm. of robert durst right oh yeah he was you know his wife disappeared in 1982 or something or 84 mm-hmm. and up until he died of covid a couple of months ago he was set to go on trial for that finally yeah. um, to face those charges because she it was right. just she just disappeared and it's a missing persons case and that's where these things go and one of the things that i think that and i know that you guys when when there are a lot of people that benefited from your story but one of the things that I really gravitate towards is the fact that you guys openly and honestly wanted to tell the story to have the social impact and to raise awareness for these types of Thank things. You're... Much like I did with, the, with my film. Because yeah. like, yeah. I, I made this into a documentary. and It's on investigation discovery. And it's like people right. are like, oh, you made all this money. I was like, I was the person that got paid the lease. It's my story. And I produced it and I put everything together. But yeah. the, the, But I didn't do it for that. I did it because I didn't want my mother's... It, this was my mother's legacy. This is my mother's story. Yeah. And I wanted, I didn't want her to her death to be in vain, but it was also right. my it's the whole reason why I came to Los Angeles, California is I wanted to do something with the story. And I wanted that voice to be heard. I wanted to impact people's lives and impact change yeah. and, he, and heal myself at the same time. And I right. feel like you guys did that exact same thing. But, I think
0: that's what you have to do with it. Yes. You know,
1: you, you, because that's how you process the trauma, right?
0: right right yeah i mean
1: i think that you you know you this is part of our process and for me as an artist it's a creative thing right for you right. as a as a victim that had you know, just this i mean let's forget about what happened with the drama with with your daughter tara right and the right, and the, 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 her, right. Her, it coming to that confrontation which was unfortunate for everyone right oh yeah oh yeah um just the fact that you had somebody like this in your life that mm-hmm. was, you know, enacting this coercive control. And I'll be honest, like, I don't have exactly the best, uh, the best luck with dating apps myself, <laughs> so okay. I'm in no way, uh-huh. so I'm in no way. So are you I,
0: single I have, or are you married?
1: I am saying I am very much single. Um, okay. Okay. but I, but, you know, making a joke, but the, the, you, you know, you meet somebody and you share your world with them. And I have, oh, yeah. I have dated someone who is a narcissist and a sociopath and, and when, or I don't want to say yeah. she's a sociopath, but she was a narcissist for sure. Went, but did
0: you figure that out at first?
1: Oh no, 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 no. Exactly. Cause they're so
0: good. Yeah.
1: They're yeah. so good. And then it's, and then right. one of the things I was explaining to, uh, my producer yesterday is they, y- y- you don't see these things and, right. and then right. people Oh, well, didn't you see it? It's so easy for people to be the Monday morning quarterback in these. Oh, it's
0: hindsight. I mean, obviously, but they don't, they're not in it. The ones that are in it get it or that have been there. It's, it's, that's what it is until you've experienced it. You can sit on the sidelines and judge it
1: all they want. And so. Why don't you as somebody who experienced this just the, this coercive control specifically because i feel right. this is something that is so insidious mm-hmm. and like i said when right. i read these letters from my father mm-hmm. the, the, the audience really they just like thank you for reading this i can see this in my own life i see the way my right. father treated me yeah. or my mother or my spouse or my boyfriend or the this person this uh, you know ominous figure that has this control over them. Right. They don't realize it's yeah. happening. And then when they break away from it and they realize that this is happening, mm-hmm. this is when they go full on scorched earth. They're the oh, wounded yeah. bird. Oh, They're yeah. the victim uh-huh. and they come after you. Why don't you share with me? Because this is so important. I feel for everyone to know. Why don't, why don't you share with me what that's like and w- what that looks like?
0: Well, it's called pretty much a uh, trauma bonding and you don't realize it. So the one thing that, for instance, John or any other psychopath, sociopath, narcissist does is it's called love bombing. So what they're doing is they're telling you everything that you want to hear. Um, And they've studied you to some degree. They're listening to your words and what's going to turn you on, what's going to make you fall in love with them. And so what John did was, he listened quite well the first date. And I'm thinking, wow, he's a good listener. (laughs) And uh, pretty soon he's telling me how beautiful I am, or I'm an animal lover. Oh, I have, I had dogs. They were the, you know, so important to me, or he has kids, daughters. And so he would talk about his daughters or the church that we both went to the same church. So everything was like, oh, okay. He's checking off that box. He checks off that box. And then he's funny. I love funny. Um, I love intelligence. So all these things were, you know, checking off the box of a guy that looks like a great guy. And so that first date um, obviously didn't end well, but again, he knew how to get back in. And I'm a very forgiving, probably too much of a pure heart where I forgive, move on and you know, it's okay. So what happened was when he he pushed to to the limit and then anyway, came back in the next day saying all the right things. So love bombing takes place. And then pretty soon they're doing all these things for you. So there's a little bit of a, wow, this guy, You know, is going to the grocery store. I'm a busy woman, Um, bringing me flowers, Um, going for walks, giving me massages. I mean, he's doing everything that, how can you not fall in love with this person? So, so they're continuing this, but so it's a dependence almost to, wow, this is so great. How could I not, you know, want to be with this guy? And then, then they start the, um, gaslighting where I'm not one to confront or to fight, but he would start saying, oh, your kids, uh, they're using you for your money. So he would turn things around and make you second guess yourself sure. thinking, wait, how come I? no, I have a great religion relationship with my kids. I don't know what you're talking about. And say, nope, they did this, they did that. You need to have boundaries. Then it goes into isolation. Pretty soon he's saying, okay, I don't like that friend. Or I don't like what she did. Um, or honey, when are you going to be home? I miss you so much. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll hurry home. And I'm a pleaser. So a lot of this I don't know if they see into this personality type, or if it was just if it was the perfect storm, you know, as far as uh, John's personality and my personality. But, I mean, everything they do—they're making love to you several times a day. They're, you know, kissing every inch of you. So, I mean, everything makes you just feel wonderful. But again, I'm a smart woman. I ran a fairly large design company and one thing that somebody told me one time is you you go to work every day you're focused on your work you come home and then you enjoy your personal life whatever that may be that when somebody is um, a sociopath or psychopath which john ended up being a psychopath they're studying you they're trying to figure out their next move it's it so the words that are coming out of their mouths is something where they are literally trying to figure out how to manipulate you um for whatever reason sometimes it's about money sometimes it, well it's always about power
1: it's always um, about power exactly yeah, it's, it's not, always
0: about power <laughs> it, it,
1: it, And I think you it's interesting you said money because obviously you had you had some right and yeah. I, and I think that people naturally go to that oh he wanted your money oh he wants this it's not quite that simple like people's no. motives like it's very it's very easy to dis- dismiss as oh that person did this for money That some people just want to just want that control that power and one of right. the things that I remember yeah. on the podcast, um, somebody said something, I, I want to say it was the prosecutor or somebody, you know, was, was discussing John's the type of person that John is right as some people are just born evil. And that was yeah. one of the things that I realized doing pre-production for my film, the murder of Mansfield. And I was looking for these, I was looking for these reasons of like, I thought my father because he had molested my two cousins on my mother's side about wow. two years before he was arrested, which is why my mother's side of the family abandoned me. They couldn't deal with things. I looked like my father. My father's mm-hmm. side of the family abandoned me because I was testifying and I'm the one that brought all this out. Even though wow. my father murdered my mother, that was wow. not a big deal to them as it wow. was me going against the family, if you will. So yeah. I think that, wow. um, you know, and I still don't have relationships to this day with these people, by the way. Really? <laughs> these are like my godparents and I'm, I come from a Catholic wow. home and they just, they just were like, oh, whatever. I'm and sorry. No, it's okay. It, it is. It's my reality. Right.
0: Yeah. But
1: I think that, but that's also the destructive nature of what happens when these things occur. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I was looking for this, this sort of, you know, cause my grandfather, my father's father was an alcoholic. So I thought, okay, was he an abusive alcoholic? He did this and I couldn't find out. No, he was a happy binge drinking drunk. And I was like, oh, I was like, I was the same way when I drank, you know, I was like very happy and just like good, right. good time guy. You know, right. I wasn't, I think getting fights. I didn't get, you know, there was nothing like that. Right. Right. So I, um, I was like trying to find these reasons. And I realized when I was sitting across from my father in the film and I was asking, I was trying to find this reason, like my whole, my whole reason for doing the film, my whole reason for coming to Hollywood was to tell this Mm -hmm. story, but also to like heal myself and find out like, why did he, why would you murder my mother? What did you stand to gain from any of this?
0: Here's the problem though. he doesn't have a mind a a normal mind
1: no 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 exactly so there's not
0: going to be logic
1: there's no logic and and (laughs) the motive is just control and 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 things of that nature now and you can tell me this is a sensitive subject but um you you had a sister an older sister yeah cindy yes do you are you comfortable talking about that
0: of course okay
1: So Cindy, I believe, was also involved with someone who was a psychopath. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, and I believe if I'm not mistaken, your mother had testified at trial.
0: Well, okay. She testified because first of all, we had no idea what was happening behind closed doors and back in those days, you don't talk about it. Of course, clearly we now talk about it and it's it's great you know that the me too movement and everything else we're we're sitting there really discussing about what happens and you know the impact yeah anyway so uh cindy was married to a man um that acted you know he was charming he was he acted in doted all over my sister so my mom was only seeing this great guy She wasn't seeing what was happening behind closed doors. And so when she testified, she testified about uh, Billy being a good dad, a a good husband, uh, supposedly a good person, because that's what she saw. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that she was dismissing that her daughter had been murdered. She because that she still has cried about that. You know missing her daughter, that's her daughter, yeah. So, I don't think that they look at the whole picture when they talk about that she defended him. Um, there's a lot more to it, sure. So,
1: and yeah, I think it's and 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 I'll go one step further, I think it's a testimony really to how good these people are.
0: Oh, 100%. How
1: how much of yeah. master manipulators they are oh, yeah. to the point that your mother mm-hmm.
0: testifies
1: on his behalf at a trial right. of the murder yeah. of her somebody who murdered her own daughter right and I okay. think that like when you know I think about that it, mm-hmm. it gives me chills. And I can see again, you know, there's this, there is this, people are very quick to rush to judgment and very quick to victim shame or very, this, and my victim shaming came in the form of my father who had sent me these letters shaming me, you know, even as recently as last year, 2021, I had a stalker and this stalker reached out to him in prison and he said, Oh, Collier's Mm -hmm. exploiting his trauma and victim you know, he's, he's a trauma victim of his own thing. This is my father who murdered my mother when I was 11 years wow. old and all this, he still holds wow. his animosity, this anger towards me for going to prison for something that he did. And I was reading a letter on the, the one of the previous episodes that I recorded, it was, um, well, when it comes, when this one comes out, it'll be a previous episode, but I recorded it last night. I was going through this letter. He sent me, you know, four years after he was in prison. And basically doing this whole, like you said, love bombing. Right. So he's, right. he's talking about like, right. he's saying always want. oh, you're so handsome. You're such a, your mother would be so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Oh, you're going to homecoming with this girl. You'll have many uh-huh. relate, like being this father. And then he slowly over the course of like three or the, the, the turns it to how, how I need to watch out for myself. And then he, they build this narrative. They construct this narrative oh, yeah to, like yeah. how he's innocent of the crime, uh-huh. how I shouldn't uh-huh. be ashamed because he didn't right. do anything wrong and just right. all these things that how I need to be diligent and how there's all these clues and these attorneys he's working with that he he was you know falsified I mean all just this, this absolute sheer lunacy that these people do oh, yeah. and they're yeah. so they're so good at it. They're My, so good.
0: Yeah. And
1: people don't under you do you do not understand because I, I'm sure that they were like, oh oh well yes you were you were wealthy in orange county and you just wanted a man and you wanted this and that and it's like no i was a very intelligent woman who built my own business and had my own life and had my own children and and i'm not i'm not some dummy that was desperate for a man no i was not at all i was somebody who 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 was preyed upon and and it's and i think that one of the wonderful you mentioned the me too movement and things like that is and one of the things that I feel good about this program, about what we're doing, what you guys are doing, is the more we discuss this, the more awareness yes. we create. Yes. So people can yeah. recognize these behaviors, so they don't become like that.
0: hundred percent. Oh,
1: back yeah. to Cindy.
0: Uh huh.
1: Are there moments? that you have when you reflect back, or, or even in the moment of when all this had come unraveled with John,
0: right, right.
1: That you said, oh my God, this is what happened to my, did you have that complete moment of just, oh my God, this is what my sister went through.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. Um, first of all, going back, I was unsettled with the whole thing of him getting out of, uh, prison in three and a half years. And I decided to go investigate the case. Um, I called obviously certain witnesses, the attorneys involved, so on. And I found out that he had premeditated the murder. And I found out there was abuse, uh, so many things. And it just happened to be when I was going to come forward with it all. The OJ thing happened and I had uh, been asked out by OJ. Yeah. And my sister at the time was dating Marcus Allen. And um, they, the minute my sister was like running backs. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I guess so. Um, But what happened was, I was on a show on TV, talking about my sister's murder, but I wasn't allowed to really talk about OJ or talk about um, Marcus Allen. But that's when I realized he had completely 100% used coercive control on my sister and was a psychopath and gotten away with it and is living happily ever after with a woman right now with her family. He lied about it, the whole works. But what's really frustrating to me is I wanted to go back to court and it had been 10 years, two months. Uh, so I You know I'd lost the time frame um, to be able to do that but there was no justice served whatsoever and I think that to this day I feel like I want to bring awareness to what happened and I want to bring awareness to what happened to me because so many people men and women alike i mean it's not just women that are getting conned it's it's both so sort of bringing up the red flags but one thing about victim blaming i didn't care if i got blamed because it was so about spreading awareness and i knew who i was as an individual so it didn't you know, maybe the first few times I'm like, what in the world is going on? How can someone blame the victim? You know, and you really have to sit there and go, you know what? It isn't about me right now. It's about building awareness to help other people. So That it is.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. So I, and I'm thinking as you're telling me your story, you are extremely strong. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And what an Incredible person you are for what you've done you know at the age of 11 standing up for what was right and being able to reveal and go through what you've gone through I I that just I mean it brings tears to my eyes what an amazing person you are
1: well thank you that is um that's very kind of you to say um you know I did it all for my mother and in And even continuing to tell the story and, and doing this podcast to really raise awareness. I mean, look, I think we're all extraordinary. All the people on this, on this, (laughs) on this call, on this, on this, on this episode, because, um, you know, it's, I'm glad, you know, I'm I'm glad. This is the side that people don't get to see, right? that they don't and and it's incredible and it's it's nice to find like that kindred spirit in someone that has that has been through these these things because we all we understand it you know oh yeah so easy and we don't get you know i was talking to your daughter and i'll talk to you guys about this together as well but one of the things i'm very i wouldn't say i'm obsessed with but i am definitely very curious about as someone whose entire life Pretty much the majority of us, I, mean, I just turned 44, which is the, okay. uh, the age that my mother was murdered at. So oh, this was a big wow. year for me. Yeah. And a lot of thoughts just kind of mm-hmm. processed through my head. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of the things I've always been interested in is why people are so obsessed with true crime. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting ready to go to CrimeCon next month. And, and I know. Oh, that, good that for Tara you. Has been there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and, and it's, it's interesting because I'm going there to. But I, but I realize that when I think about it, I'm going to a trade show of people that are very obsessed with true crime. Oh,
0: it, it's fantastic, by the way. We were speakers two years ago.
1: Oh, that's so cool. Okay, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Then I need to, and then I am, I'm excited to go, but I think it's just, it, it's one of those things where I'm just, you know, I think about people's obsession and there, there are a, you know obviously a myriad of true crime podcasts oh, out there yeah. and it is a real thing and you know there was an episode of forensic files that was done on the case and it is the most like one of the most popular like top 10 out of 450 episodes that show has top wow. 10 in the history of the mm-hmm. show and there's a you know i i was interviewed for a book by the uh, by the blogger that does forensic files now and okay. she and she You know, I asked her, I said, what do you think? Why do you think people are obsessed with crime? And so I want to ask you the same thing. Why do you think people are obsessed with this? What do you think it is?
0: Because I think it's far too common out there. A lot of people don't talk about it. Um, and I also believe that with the mind, you know, uh, reading about psychopaths studying, you know, all the different types of what happens to us, you know, traits of of sociopaths, psychopaths, narcissists, so on. I think that we just are trying to understand. You know, it's a little bit fascinating to me now too. Um, I have a book that came out, I don't know if you know that.
1: Yes, you did, so is it is it called Surviving Dirty John?
0: It is, and it really does get into the real story of what really happened, but it gets into the different personality traits. It gets into uh, understanding red flags and also curse of control because a lot of people don't know what that means and it's so prevalent out there Um, and
1: then they then they learn what it means and then they go oh my god and they have this
0: (laughs) right (laughs) yeah this is
1: what's been happening to me my whole life and i think that's that's something that that definitely happens when i like read these letters right and just like you share your story and people actually because again you don't realize it when it's going on and no. then when you, when you have that, you know, it's like what they say in the, you know, I guess they say in AA, you have that the alcoholics have their moment of clarity and then they go, Oh, right. you have yeah. this like overwhelming moment of yeah. clarity where you go, Oh my God, this is right. this is what's happening to me. right? And it's a ama- yeah. it's an amazing gift that, I mean, this is the way I look at my life. I feel like I have been given an amazing gift, despite what has happened to me, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. I have the strength that I can show other people that you can get through
0: these yeah. challenging
1: circumstances yeah. you can get through this and i feel yeah. that you guys that you and, and your daughter are the same way where well thank you know you. god never gives us more you're of course you're welcome and i and i mean it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. i feel the same way as that this is what you're able this is your light that you're able to shine into the world mm-hmm. to and, and you've made the the sacrifice if you will to you know to share this with the world and it's very Thank you. It's very commendable.
0: Oh, thank you. Same to you. Well,
1: thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, um, it's really hard when you think about or when you hear Deborah's story, when you hear Tara talk about it with her, you know, these are two women that were very strong women that have come through a really insane circumstance. I mean, let's just call it what it is. It's it's so insane that it became a television show. Mm podcast and then television show. And now a series, now a now a franchise, there's other cases now they're exploring. So it's interesting to see, to listen to them. It's interesting to listen to them, share their process of getting through all of this. It's really cool. It's really commendable. Um, and And all they wanted to do at the end of the day is share this story to better help those that are suffering domestic abuse, domestic violence, coercive control when you're in these abusive relationships. Now, again, I've talked about this ad nauseum on the program, but everybody coming through COVID, like you were stranded with someone, essentially quarantined. People were quarantined with people that they didn't really know. And then they got to know and they were kind of like, oh, this is my spouse or domestic partner or this person, or this is my husband or spouse, I guess, or wife, or this is my person or my father or this, that, and the other. You know th- we don't realize that these things are happening and that's the most insidious thing of all of this. i mean when i read my father's letters on this program you guys get to see the manipulation and the psychopathy and the narcissism that he does to his son whose mother that he murdered and then trying to gaslight him and the uh, gaslighting is so is so insidious because it becomes This, this thing where you're like, am I crazy? Am I crazy? Because you think you're going crazy because you're being gaslit. It's a lot. It's, you know, it's a lot to hear their story, but kudos to them for telling their story to raise awareness for domestic abuse, domestic violence, coercive control. Again, I'm repeating this over and over again, but mad props to Deborah, to Tara for telling their stories, for having the courage to do that because not a lot of people do, and hopefully they in store, their stories, my story, us sharing these things personally with you guys, it helps you guys that are moving through this own trauma in your lives and knowing that you're not alone in all of this. I mean, that's the thing at the end of the day, it's why I've made a Murder in Mansfield, it's why I do this program. I want you to know that whoever you are, if you're going through this shit, you are not alone and you will get through it. I'm living proof, Deborah's living proof, Tara is living proof. We're all here and we're all okay. And we're just doing it one day at a time, but we're moving past it. And that's what it's all about. So you two will be okay. And just know that that's all. Anyways, um, but that's just how I feel. I want to hear how you guys feel. Again, reach out to me on the social medias. You can DM me, you can email me at G at, movingpastmurder at gmail.com. You can reach out through my website. There are many ways to get a hold of me because there are not many call your landries out there in the world, so you will find me anything at Call of Your Landry, my socials. I love hearing from you guys because it helps me create the content that I best suits you guys, my audience. So anyways, Y'all have a fantastic week. Um, I'm Collier your Landry and this is moving past murder. Thanks y'all. This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you, please subscribe via Apple podcasts, Spotify, audible, find us on YouTube, youtube youtube.com forward slash Collier Landry. The film, A Murder in Mansfield, is available on Investigation Discovery, Discovery Plus, and Amazon Prime Video. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio, in association with RSA Entertainment. Please visit MPMPodcast.com to show your support today.